and welcome to the Value Investor TV podcast. This is the podcast that helps you grow your wealth and become financially independent. My name is Hari, and today we're going to be talking about DraftKings. Um, so the uh, been a while since we've recorded a podcast. Um, I've been a little bit busy, so I decided uh, now was a good time to uh, get back uh, on track. There's lots of interesting things going on in the uh, the value investing world, um, and so. Um, you know, one of the users had, uh, requested, uh, a company, uh, called DraftKings. So we wanted to, um, wanted to cover that here on the, uh, on the episode. Um, if you are interested in, uh, reaching out and listening or learning about a company, um, uh, you can email us at info at valueinvestor.org and we will, um, uh, put that on the list. Um, if you're also interested in getting our checklist, um, same email address, info at valueinvestor.org. Um, as always, we really appreciate your, you know, listening. And if you're on, uh, YouTube, we'd also really appreciate it. If you, uh, make a, uh, you know, like the video, comment, subscribe. Um, and, uh, you know, we, of course, we really appreciate any, any, uh, support that you guys can provide us. Um, uh, before we get started talking about DraftKings, we'll just do a little disclaimer. Um, this is the uh, Value Investor uh, TV podcast. We are a uh, not financial advisors. We don't know your specific financial situation. Um, so please consult with the appropriate advisor before making any uh, financial decisions. All right, so let's uh, you know get right into it. We're going to talk about... Um, this company, DraftKings, their ticker is DKNG, and um, they are a very interesting business. If you are a sports fan, uh, especially of the NFL, you've probably seen their ads on on uh, on TV. Um, you know, it's a daily fantasy sports site, uh, which is how they started, but they've now grown into lots of different areas. So we always focus on using a checklist so that we. Um, when we, when we evaluate companies. And the reason for that is that it allows us to uh, stay focused on what is important um, without getting distracted in the details and also getting distracted by a company sales pitch. So, um, you know, the first question that we always look at is what does the company do? Um, and as we said, it's, you know, it's a daily fantasy sports uh, site. Um, but what they look at it for, uh, from their perspective is, um, in their own words, they try to make life more exciting by creating uh, the world's favorite real money games and betting uh, expenses. So, so with the tech that they've created, they do um, what's called peer-to-peer competitions in their world, where you you are not betting against the house, but against um, you know other players in your you know pool or in your bracket. Um, and then they started building out a uh, a gambling site as well with their uh, sports book, which is not legal in um, most states, um, but has been, you know, is slowly progressing and they expect it to grow into, you know, multiple areas. Um, so they want to, uh, you know, so that's really kind of what their, their, you know, business is. Um, but there's a lot of things that go on with a business like this that, you know, you may not really, you know, pay attention to their various, uh, channels that they operate in. Um, they have the business to, uh, consumer channel, which is daily fantasy sports, the sports book and what's called iGaming. So daily fantasy sports is the, 
peer to peer play uh, sports where you're betting against your pool or your group. Um, DraftKings essentially establishes the score and the contest rules, uh, and then they distribute the prize money. So the entry fee minus the amount paid out is equal to their revenue. The sports book is a traditional sports book. You're betting against um, a score or a uh, uh, wagering against fixed odds. Um, and then that DraftKings plays out, pays out when the user wins. <clears throat> so they want to be on both sides of the bet and have an equal amount of people betting on each side um, in order for them to make money on you know every uh, every transaction. Uh, and then you have a traditional casino setup, which is like is considered iGaming or in their parlance. Um, which is your traditional roulette, you know, um, blackjack, that kind of stuff. Uh, and then they also license their games. Um, they also will have ad advertising and sponsorship revenue, uh, depending on the sport or the demand. Uh, and then they will custom build games for a fixed fee, you know, so if you want to host your own type of event. Um, but they do have a business to business kind of uh, setup, which is sports betting and iGaming, um, where they are you know, essentially licensing that service, their technology to uh, support that. Um, the nature of their business is very seasonal. <clears throat> so most um, sports in America have a heavy uh, Q4, rela uh, you know, amount of uh, uh, sp uh, sporting events in Q4. So college football, NBA, the NFL, and Major League Baseball all have uh, events at the end of the year. Um, which allows them to kind of, um, you know, generate more revenue. Um, so, you know, switching gears here a little bit, you know, how does, what does this business do uh, translate into a competitive advantage? Um, and I think this is kind of where, you know, it's very important to, to tailor your uh, arguments uh, based on what the business do does into, you know, how does this actually translate into ma them making money? Um and so we look at those based on, you know, five different categories, brand moat, network effects, uh, switching costs, and a low cost moat. So the interesting thing about DraftKings is, you know, they have relationships with the NFL at PGA, Major League Baseball, and also partnerships uh, through an investment from Fox uh, and with ESPN um, and are the exclusive providers of their um, content to those groups. Um, and also with Vox, Bleacher Report, um, and they also provide intellectual property to other uh, services, um, which allows the, those partnerships to kind of provide a, you know, a better uh, moat. So I, I I would really consider their moat on the on the brand side more than anything else. Um, network effects and switching cost. You know, I, I think there's network effects. Really, it's you don't have any advantages by investing against or betting against other people. Um, it, you know, in this case, there may be more opportunities for games, so that may attract more people to come to daily fantasy on DraftKings. But hard to say. Um, you know, because it, it is a commodity business, um, so there may also be some switching costs there because you already have an account. You may not want, you know, be reluctant to open five accounts, um, but they don't, I don't think they, they have a low cost moat intangible assets are, are really just the brand and those partnerships. So, um, when we look at how durable is the competitive advantage, you know, I, I really struggle with a company like this. I don't feel like it's a, 
too hard problem here as much as it's a, I don't know that this business is interesting enough for me to, um, you know, when we lo start looking at the financials to get really, you know, interested in it. Um, so I, I'm struggling with what are the, you know, the benefits of this kind of company and how durable is the competitive advantage. Um, but with that being said, I, I would propose that, um, you know, th th they are a new player in the space. They have some advantages that, you know, being a first mover and that kind of stuff. But when we look at the revenue growth and the user growth, I, I find it a little bit hard to believe that this is going to be a long-term sustainable business with, you know, with great uh, returns for an investor. Um, so switching to the, uh, or getting to the next comment here, what is the long-term prospects? You know, so I think daily fantasy sports is going to be always part of, um, you know, the sports culture. Um, gambling has always been around, um, even if it wasn't legal, it's always uh, been present now. So it's being, uh, you know, allowed in many states uh, or four states, and it's probably going to grow over time. There's definitely some runway there for uh, daily fantasy and uh, and gambling to, you know, to continue to grow um, going forward. Um, but that being said, you know, this is not a business that I just get super excited about. You know, I, I just don't see that there's, um, a net benefit to the, um, to all parties involved. And what, what I mean by that is a good business provides, um, value for shareholders, value for the employees and value for the customers. And in a lot of ways, this is kind of just shifting money around, right? Um, you're paying in money, somebody's taking a cut of it, and it's being handed over to somebody else. They're not providing a service that adds, you know, value um, to society. And you could argue that that's true for a lot of things, but um, you know, in order for every anything to be a long-term sustainable thing you're, you're going to have to provide value to the, you know, to society in order in a, in a meaningful way. And you see that with most businesses, you buy a phone, you get more value from the phone than the cash that you spent, spent on it. Um, when you get to a, something like this, you're paying money with the intent that you're going to get more money out of it. And so gambling tends to not provide a net benefit to society because you have a lot of people who have, you know, control issues and things like that that will become addicts and so forth. Uh, and that ends up destroying, you know, the, the net benefit that you get because people will give up, you know, get addicted and that's what you're essentially making. So, you know, you can, you can make the argument that, you know, cigarettes fall under that kind of same, you know, um, thing. And I, I would say this is not necessarily a moral argument, but there, there will be a point at which, you know, just from a pure, you know, a moral standpoint, right? We're not looking at the morality of gambling and that kind of thing. It's just, it doesn't provide a benefit to, to all parties involved and you end up losing money, gaining money, you know, so you're just kind of shifting the money around instead of actually providing, you know, value, uh, to all parties involved. So I, I know that's not the best, great explanation, but to me, that's always kind of, you know, there's a limit on the number of people that are going to want to do this. And there's going to be a lot of people who try it a few times and then quit. Um, so, 
so we'll see how it goes. I may be, you know, dead wrong on this, but, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I have concerns about this as a long-term, you know, runway. Um, does a company require a lot of capital reinvestment to maintain its business? So, you know, my, my concern with this is also that they are going to have to continue to promote their business heavily as people, you know, um, you know, as people put money in and, you know, they, they lose interest or the sports season, you know, lapses. And then during the summer, there's not as much going on or the springtime, then they come back to it in the fall, you know, they may have forgotten, you know, which is how I know a lot of people who play regular fantasy, uh, sports, you know, there are some people that are very into it and some people who do it casually and, you know, it doesn't lend itself to constant, you know, uh, review of what's going on. Right. And so that what you may end up having is, you know, people will, you know, bet for a season because their friends are doing it. Then they forget about it the next year. So on, that's certainly my, been my experience. So what they need to do then is to continue to advertise, to keep it, you know, keep it going. Um, and, and so I think there is a reinvestment moat here that, you know, you are a reinvestment uh, need because as competition comes up, you're going to have to also outcompete them with, you know, advertising dollars. Um, so does a business have a favorable relationship with the, uh, everybody involved? Does it lead to a net benefit for all parties? So with cu customers, so I, as I said, and I talked a little bit about this in terms of, you know, the net benefit to the customer here is that they get to, you know, indulge in their, uh, sporting event, uh, put money on that, on the game, see how it goes. It's again, not a, not a long-term benefit. There are lots of people who can do it casually, but there's a lot of people who can do it, you know, get addicted, but you're, again, you're just shuffling the money around. Um, nobody wins, you know, in these games because they are, uh, designed to, you know, essentially extract money and the, they want you to just continue to bet. Um, you know, do their suppliers have a net benefit? Yes. Uh, I, I would say there's no issues there. No issues with the employees that I know of. Um, regulating regulators is always a concern because, um, you know, gambling has been traditionally been, uh, adjudicated, you know, or, or illegal in most States, uh, except for, you know, uh, New Jersey and Nevada, uh, and ironically, um, the gambling online gambling is not legal in, uh, in Nevada right now, uh, unless you have, I believe it's unless you have a casino there. So, so DraftKings doesn't have that, um, the online gambling, uh, aspect of their business there. Um, so I think the, uh, you know, kind of the moral of this story here is that you have a business that is not, um, you know, it, it, it doesn't promote growth, uh, you know, you know, in society, like, you know, a product or a service does, um, where you get more benefit out of it. Again, you're going to just kind of shift money around. So I, I don't see, you know, this is why you don't have, you know, massive, uh, you know, you know, I mean, we will see how it does because if you, I mean, the closest, uh, analogy here is in the, in England where they have, uh, uh, sports books and things like that. But again, it's such a commoditized product that it's hard for me to, to really look at it and say, yeah, this is going to just, you know, take over the world there. 
Um, so, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm going to come to a close here on the, the first part of this, uh, DraftKings. Um, and, you know, I want to remind everybody, um, if you, uh, are interested in learning about a company just like uh, we talked about here with DraftKings, uh, email us at info at valueinvestor.org. Um, you know, reach out to us uh, or comment on the on the this YouTube video. Um, and please, you know, uh, like and subscribe as well. We would uh, really appreciate it. It helps us with the YouTube algorithm to get uh, our content out there. Um, and well, thank you very much. And uh, stay tuned for the next part uh, of DraftKings, where we talk about the financials and the valuation. All right. Thanks. We'll see you in the next episode.